Welcome to the family with Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. And Andy Bernard. Now, Officer Dave is not going to be here. He's taking this week off and next week off, but do you know where he went? Uh, I think hunting opener. Well, is he a hunting, hunting opener? Or hunting something. Is it hunting the... opener this soon? Well, a small animal opener was last week, I think. Well, I'm not, or paying, I'm not or... paying attention. I, I've never hunted in my life. But... I've got to be honest. If you're 6'5 and weigh 320 pounds, how can you... Do... Is there enough camouflage to hide? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how do you... He hides behind the biggest trees that he can find. (laughs) I guess so. Because he is not going to be climbing up any ladder. Uh, He's not going to go into a deer stand (laughs) in a a tree. No, I can't see him doing that. And I I could just just about see him, even whether it's camouflage, he has to have some bright orange kind of of thing. That's true. I mean, just so somebody else doesn't mistake him for a buffalo. It's happened to a couple of friends of mine. I'm telling you, that was with the arrows, though. It wasn't with guns. It was arrows. I had a friend took an arrow right through the heart and killed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, had, I had a situation like that oh, a very long time ago. place that I, I uh, was working at, it was the opening of the hunting season, and I was uh, doing a weekend retreat at a summer camp that did uh, retreats during the fall, winter, and spring before, before the summer. Mm-hmm. And there was some... F- um, what I call fire roads behind the camp. And I did not realize it was the opening of hunting season. And oh, I came God. Up around a, oh, I came God. up around a, um, one of the roads running uphill, and there were a bunch of guys uh, in by their trucks, and they mistook me for a deer. Oh, my. Did they fire at you? Oh, yeah, they fired oh, at me. Oh, God. Now, I don't know how you could have mistaken me for a deer. He don't look like a deer to me. <laughs> no, because I had a uh, bright um, bright uh, white shirt, bright red uh, running shorts. Really? And they yeah. thought you were a deer? They thought I was a deer. And this was probably about 7.30 in the morning. There's still a little little sunlight. Uh, I got up to where they were. We had some words. No, you a little upset, were you? (laughs) Just a touch? Just a touch upset. I just don't... You cannot drink and hunt, right? Oh, you're not supposed to, but... But, uh, but... (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't... That's the exact reason. Well, because my buddy got killed getting shot in the chest with an arrow. I never had any interest in going hunting anyway. But now that I talk to you and the fact that they open fire on you anyway, and there's no way you're getting me to go hunting now. No, this was this was a very long long time ago. God, uh, and <laughs> that might hurt a little bit getting yeah, shot. Yeah, I, I, I think they just wanted to um, scare me, have a little little bit of fun. Oh, so they knew you weren't a deer. They just did it anyway. That's just my my guess. They thought really? that I was a deer, but no, we're going to have a little fun with this guy. That's not funny at all. Uh, hey, let's I fire didn't guns think so. Yeah. I did not think so at the time. That's weird. We have yeah. our guest on the line. Siobhan Fallon Hogan. How are you doing, Siobhan? How's everything? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Marvelously well, but I have to start this interview with the first five words. It's right from the middle of the information they sent me. I just want to say the first, uh, the first six words, actually. You ready? It's right I'm from, ready. Right from the middle of your descriptor, it says, Siobhan has had her quirky best. 
What do you think of that? You like I me? guess. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. We'll take it. We're in the business. It's true. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Siobhan Fallon Hogan promoting her new film, Shelter in Solitude, comes out on October 6th. I want to hear all about uh, the movie, Shelter in Solitude, about you being at your quirky best. I want to hear it all, Siobhan. Okay. Well, you know I'm a little long in the tooth. I, I like that. I <laughs> like I, that, though. You like that? I've been in the business for, I, I was, I, when I would call people to pitch the movie, I was like, hey, I've been in the business for 555 years, and I've written my sixth film. <laughs> I, said, I, I literally had a spiel. If I said, I'm so sick of talking about myself, I was like this. Hi, I've been on SNL, Seinfeld, Men in Black, Forrest Gump. You may know me from those. Anyway, I've written a movie. Anyway, so this, this is the deal. I have three kids, and um, my oldest daughter is actually a journalist. She's 28. My son, Peter, just turned 25. My daughter's 21. Well, when my daughter was going off to school um, five years ago, or four years ago, I can't, you know, I'm not very good with numbers. Sure. Um, I said to myself, what in heaven's name will I do with myself? <laughs> because as a character actress, you know, you work about four months out of the year, five months. You lie and you say nine months, but it's really about that. Yeah. So that was perfect with having kids, right? So now I'm like, what am I going to do? So I wrote my first film, Rushed, um, just before she went off to college, and that came out in 2021. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I'm like a big napper, and I'm always tired. And I'm like, okay, I need a big break after it ended. You know, we, we edited in France on Fancy, which I'm not. And it was very hard work. And I got home, was kind of burned out, and COVID had just hit. COVID had just, just started. We finished the movie, you know, I don't know, like May. COVID started in March. I'm lying in bed one night. My father was hilarious. He looked like a big Tip O'Neill, and he was a big Irishman. Ooh, love and it. And I was one of five kids, a great guy. And he would tell us, he was a lawyer, he would tell us about the prisoners he represented at the kitchen table. And <laughs> I was kind of scared, but I was really fascinated. Yeah. And he one time represented the prison guard. So I was always like, what is it like inside those prisons? And what, do, they, do they have friends? Like, how does it work between those two? So I grew up, you know, in Syracuse, and we would pass the Jamesville Penitentiary to go to my cousins over in Pompey, New York. And I'd be like, what's going on in there? And then my father really wanted me to be a country singer. Well, so did I, but I didn't have the voice for it. So all it's a problem. Sudden, it's a problem. In the middle of the night, yeah, little problem, little technical problem. So in, in the middle of the night, um, just after I'd written the other movie and finished editing it, this idea comes to me. What if there's a guy with 10 days left to live, and there's this quirky, as they say, or we should say whack job, um, <laughs> country singer turned prison guard? And then I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's a good idea. And I was like, wait, but i got to get Robert Patrick in there, you know, from The Terminator, who's oh, my good God, friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he played my husband, the best, the best American, treats the best great, rides around his Harley doing good when he's not acting, which is acting all the time. So I'm like, i got to get him in there. How am I going to get him in there? I go, wait a minute, we need a hard-ass, um, pardon my language, warden. And so that's what happened. And then I said, wait a minute, we need some comic relief. We can't just be, <laughs> we can't just be totally serious. So my son, who's hilarious, I'm like, I put him in there as this, this kind of like Gomer Pyle. Um, oh, cop. love it. And, and then my character is this washed up, she's kind of a cougar wannabe, no one have her. Um, she drinks too much. But at the, at, at the core of it, she's a great person who only wants to do good and make the last 10 days of this guy's life perfect in a really odd way. And he wants none of her. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the deal. I so love that. Say enough. Yo, what I, one thing I really like. 
Your enthusiasm is one. I love the people are enthusiastic about the things they do. I do. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I'm like a whirling dervish. But, no, I'm so – listen, here we are. We're a family-produced uh, and distributed movie. My husband's producer. I'm, like, on the set going, Pete, where are the porta potties What's for lunch? My son's not only an actor, but he's a music supervisor. He got us Fat Nick, the rapper, um, Rob Banks, the rapper. He got us the most amazing country singers to contribute music and to sing with me. Justin Bill Tonin from Three Doors Down, Todd Cameron. We just got back from Nashville. I sang on the rooftop of the underground with Justin Bill Tonin. It's like a dream come true. Anyway, so it's a family affair. My daughter, Sinead, who's 21, she plays the hippie in it. She played a druggie in, my, in Rush, and she's like, Mom, are you trying to say something to me? <laughs> um, so she, yeah. she, most people would want their daughter to look good. She's like, so what am I going to wear? I'm like, ripped jeans, you're headed to be crazy, you should be smoking. She's like, wait, what? Anyway, so, so she, um, she was the production designer on it. So our whole family, like, and by, by the way, I'm doing this interview in my bedroom because if I go out of it, someone's going to punch me in the head because we're all so sick of each other. Nice, but nice touch. we got the email, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? But um, we, we, the day I got the email about four weeks ago, from AMC saying, we love your movie and we want to pick it up for a wide release. Let's just say the neighbors heard it. And then, then we found out Regal. So we're going to be all over the country on October 6th. Well, that's wonderful. Now, I have to ask you a question. It's a personal question, yeah. though, if you don't mind answering. Sure. Did, you grow up, did you grow up Catholic? Oh, slightly. I, I, I'm so Catholic. Boy, I could <laughs> never tell, Siobhan. <laughs> My goodness, so this is the guilt, the guilt is oozing. The out of guilt me. is oozing. Um, because I grew up Catholic, I grew up Catholic myself, so I can spot a Catholic girl a mile away. Oh my gosh! No, listen to me. <laughs> I, I would be like when I was on Seinfeld, and I had to do like a like sort of what, what my mother would call a very suggestive dance Uh-oh. with Kramer. I thought my father is going to kill me. Um, <laughs> but I will say, being Catholic, like when I was on SNL. Like, I literally was there three weeks, and they're like, okay, Siobhan, so um, they want you to be in this Italian sketch where you're going to go to this table, and you're going to simulate you-know-what, because you know I can't say it. And I said, oh, that will be no. And they're like, what? <laughs> for three weeks. And they're like, the boss might not like this, and the show is kind of historical, and people don't say no. And I'm like, yeah, well, have you ever met my father? Oh. I want to live, okay? <laughs> so, so, yeah. And my, oh, listen, my kids went to Catholic school. I went, I went to Catholic university. Look, I'm boring. I, like, stay with the same theme. You know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. and I'm Irish as Irish can be. So, like, my film, like, so it opens up, and the logo is, so our company is called Emerald Kaz Productions. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, Emerald, because the Emerald Isle, and then Kaz, because where I'm from. And then the logo is like a, 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 just in case you didn't get it, like an emerald twirling at you. See? So that, so you were, yes, you're right. Irish Catholic and, um, and a disaster like like my character in the movie. <laughs> I honestly, I'm, Siobhan, I'm telling you, it brings me back to my childhood. Just listening, <laughs> I've been hearing women like you talk the way you do my entire life going to Catholic school. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'm telling you, my sister Megan, who is a lawyer in Syracuse, and actually, they, my sister Sheila and Megan, they're the ones who hooked me up with this this prison guard, who then got us to jail. Um, but my father's one of 11, so we know everybody in Syracuse. So anybody who could possibly give me something, or even if they didn't want to, did. <laughs> so I was like, so we got the defunct, crazy jail. And not, the, the, the jail cells didn't even open. It was not, not functioning. 
and the cinematographers, you know, cinematographers are usually very sophisticated. And my cinematographer, Matthias Schubert, who won the Boston Film Festival, by the way, because it's such a beautiful film. So we get in there, and he's like, um, this isn't going to work. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is, because I want it to be authentic. He's like, well, this, well, the cells don't open. I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I know a welder from high school. Sure. Anyway, my friend Jack Griffith got two to open. But in the scene, um, we, you know, we filmed for four days in this bar, fabulous restaurant in upstate New York called Bar Restaurant, called The Blue Canoe, mm-hmm. where, you know, my character basically is like Mrs. Havisham of the uh, country singers. She's living in the past. You know, she sang in, uh, in 1996 in Nashville one night and has posters all over the bar of that night. By the way, my sisters would say as I'm talking to you, why do you say she? You know it's you. <laughs> okay, that's that nice. So, Support. They're like, that's so stupid. Can you please stop pretending you're like an artist? So anyway, you know, they, there's no ego in my family. You know what I mean? My, my family was like, what movie are you in again? Everybody's asking. <laughs> oh, God. We have to go through that. Is that one any good? Let us know if it's good. Because, you know, your father and I really don't want to go if it's not good. Oh. One, one time I called home. One time I called home, you know, and, you know, no cell phones in those days. And you had to pay for every minute. So you'd call on Sunday nights. And I was really down the dumps. I was in New York. And I was like, nothing's working out. This is so bad. And, and all the casting people were like, don't worry, Siobhan. You'll grow into your look in your 40s and your voice. And I was like, I can't wait that long. And I called up to talk to my mother, and my father was listening on the other end. He goes, hey, Siobhan, so uh, you're feeling down in the dumps, huh? Well, there's a show on tonight. It's called the Academy Awards. I've never seen you on it. I thought you were an actress. And he burst out laughing and hanged the <laughs> <laughs> Now, that's somebody goes, big for their oh, confidence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. But, but meanwhile, the sick thing was that I thought it was hysterical. Like, most people are like, that's so mean. You should be in therapy. And I'm like, no, I thought it was funny. That's the sick part. So my mother then was like, oh, dear, oh, dear, Siobhan, I suppose that hurt your feelings. But, you know, this is getting expensive. I'm going to get off. And then she drops the phone, and it goes clink, 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 clink. And she goes, Bill, I think you're her feeling. Oh, you could. <laughs> so no, anyway, yeah. Did you, now where do you come in in your family? How many, how many kids in your, your, your birth family? I'm, I'm, I'm number two. So there's four girls and a boy. And speaking of what you were saying about you've been hearing women talk like this. Yes. So Megan, the one who helped me. And I, and I say at the end of the movie, thank you so much, Megan, because I just would harass her. I'm like, will you watch the scene with me again? What should I cut? You know, the editor was fabulous. So I was like, does this work? Does this work? Mm-hmm. And just drive her out of her mind. She, would, she was the youngest. So she would sit, you know, down near my father because the oldest would we'd sit my, near my mother because, you know, if you got in trouble, you didn't want to be in the wingspan. Not that he, would, he wouldn't hit us. He just kind of tap you on the head if you screwed up. Sure. So she'd, get up out of her, she'd get up out of her seat and she'd walk down to my mother and she'd whisper, do you think I'll be able to talk tonight? <laughs> my mother would say, Megan wants to say something. And then we, of course, burst out laughing, and she'd say, forget it. What a great life you've had. Player. I mean, honestly, God, look at your life now. Great. but Look all the way back when you were a kid. What a great life. So lucky. So yeah. lucky. But, you know, I'm sure you'll relate to this, too, and I don't even know. This has nothing to do with shelter and solitude, and people have to go out and see it. And they have to support it because we're an independent film. They have to follow me on the movie at, on Instagram, I have to say this, at Shelter in Solitude, and get out there next weekend because we're on a shoestring. And we don't, we don't have money like studios, but this movie mm-hmm. is what the country needs because it's these rough-around-the-edges characters who put their 
their politics aside, their their prejudice aside, to, to love and support one another in kindness in their own rough way. And that's why it's resonating. But what I was going to say is, at the dinner table, when my sister Sheila would get up to go get more milk, I would steal her potato. And she'd say, come back and go, hey, I'm going to steal my potato. And I'd say, no, you ate it. What's wrong with you? And then I would eat the potato. Is it terrible? I harassed yes. her. Eat the potato. And then I wait till like two hours later and I go, all right, good night. By the way, I ate your potato. And she'd go, ma'am. And then my father and mother would take me, take me in the room, and sit me down. And made this one chair in the room. And my father would say, Siobhan, you know, it's a matter of confession the way you act. And it would strike me so funny that the corners of my lips would, like, hurt because I would want to smile. And he's like, and if you smile, you're grounded. And I'd be like, okay. And my father my mother would say, it's right. It's true, Siobhan. It's a matter of confession, you taking that potato. <laughs> so I thought to myself, if I ever write a book, I was going to write, sorry, I took the potato. It's potato drama. That's very Irish. <laughs> it is very Irish. <laughs> Potato drama, is, big time. My, my son, Peter, um, who's the music supervisor and hilarious like my father, his first confession was um, that we, we had a strawberry that, that, like, morphed into twins. And I said, kids, look, this strawberry is like a twin. We have to save this to show Dad. <laughs> and Peter ate it. Oh. So Peter's confession was, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. This is my first confession. I ate the twin strawberry. Hmm. What sin is and that? I think the priest. I think it's the sin of I don't know. <laughs> but he had to do two Hail Marys and one of our father. Hmm. He got off I light. It was all downhill from there. He was a wild one. He was swinging from the chandeliers. But anyway. Okay, I have to run something by you here, Siobhan, because yes. I'm giving you the ultimate Catholic mother test. Okay, you ready? Yes. Because my mother Go. was an ardent Roman Catholic. Matter of fact, yes. her name was Theophila, which means the love of God in Greek. So, I first, love that. yeah, first of all, growing up with a mother named the, the love, the, yeah, it's too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just the love of God is just too much, Theophila. So we called her Toots in any case. Okay, so Toots had five pictures on the wall in the living room, and they were always in the same order. Can you tell me from top to bottom who those five pictures might be of? Because yeah. you thought I'm about guess. Okay, here we go. Uh, uh, okay. Um, I would say the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Oh, number mm. one. I Very mean, good. Very top. I, okay. Uh, the Blessed Mother. Blessed Mother number two. She loved the Blessed Mother. Yep. Well, if you see in my, in my movie, <clears throat> this is insane, when we found the jail... There was literally a, a photo of the Blessed Mother, and that's in Robert Patrick's office in the movie. God. And it was just there. It was crazy. That's Okay, wonderful. the Blessed Mother. Okay, now I'm going to guess. St. Therese of Lisieux? Nope, not that one. Little Flower? Okay. Um, wait, let me, oh, St. Joseph. St. Joseph, very good. That's three. And we got two to go, no, and I will, I'll, I'll help you out. Because the last okay. two are not saints. No, they weren't. Or, I mean, they oh, might have been oh, saints. Oh, I know who. John F. Kennedy. Absolutely. Yep. That's number four and one more to go. Oh, my God. You nailed okay, all no, four of them so one. far. That's a big one. Okay. Would the final one be the family photo? or? But it's got, it's got to do with, 
Oh, her parents? No, um, no. Oh, her, wait a minute. Her first Holy Communion picture? No. No, again, you got, you got the first four. You nailed the first four. So the next one would be a nice Catholic boy. There's no question about that, because everybody on that wall had to be Catholic, and that's just all there is to it. Okay. But, and there's only two people to choose from, because my mother, while she were still alive, my mother would be 103 now, so she's not alive any longer. Well, but would it, would it be Ronald Reagan? No, it might no. be Frank. Would it be Frank? Maybe Frank, or maybe the other guy in the Rat Pack. She would. She wouldn't have Dean. Dean Martin. That's exactly right. That's all that matters. Oh, Dean Martin. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) See, that just shows why she. That's why she was toots. That's why she was toots. She had to be toots if she had Dean Martin. Well, this is what. This is what I love. So this is why the character, my character in the movie, Val, because she's drinking like crazy. She's dancing up a storm, <laughs> but she's praying her face off and saying, please bless my brother. Help him not to be such a bastard. And help my sister-in-law not be such a bitch. <laughs> Did you write that? Did you write that personally? Oh, yes. Oh, I thought so. Yes. Sean, now, meanwhile... What a great, I, what a great mother, accent for this! I know it's fantastic. You're gonna have to say oh, that again, say oh, that line again. That yeah, is, we have to say the line again. You're right. Well, for, I'll tell you the whole thing. I go, please, please, please help me be a better person, and please help my brother Dwight, my brother Dwight. Please help him not be such a bastard, and please help his wife, his gold digger bitch wife. Her soft and her heart. She's such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a family thing to do. It's so insane. I hope that doesn't offend people. But, you know, this is what no. I like. These, you know, I mean, my aunt, one of my aunts, I guess it's anonymous, but one of my aunts was an AA. And my other aunt, Barbara, who was hilarious, and she moved to Arizona, which nobody moved from Syracuse. We all lived there. And her house looked like the inside of Syracuse house. So it's sweltering in Scottsdale, Arizona, and she's got, like, Oriola rugs, smoked like a chimney. There's so much smoke. They have, like, um, in the refrigerator, when I got there to visit her, she's like, all right, honey, we got um, we got a vat from Costco just started. We got a vat from Costco. Do you ever go there? Or we got fluff or nutter in there. Now, eat around the edges because there is some mold on one side, but that, that's not going to hurt. Just go the other side. <laughs> or we have hot dogs. And then they had the bird. <laughs> she had a bird cake. By the way, we were exactly like. She's like, and there was a, there was a bird cage over the kitchen table. So when he pecked at his food, the, the birds he would fall on the table. Oh god! Anyway, she's like, and she goes, by the way, honey, I'm not domestic. I'm like, no kidding. She's like, <laughs> see that see that door right there? I do my work right through that door. Because kids come in here and they sit at this table, and I believe in what St. Francis said. I go, what did he say? She said, he said, keep it simple, stupid. And I was like, did he? And so she said, I just counsel people at this table. Anyway. So, what was I going to say about my choo-choo train just totally went off the tracks? Why was I telling about my Aunt Barbara? Oh, I know why. Because, um, because my other aunt was an alcoholic. And so, Barbara, now, when you're an alcoholic and you're an AA, and believe me, I know a lot of people in it, um, you are supposed to have another person who's an alcoholic sponsor you. But apparently, there was a shortage. So, my Aunt Barbara, who was not an alcoholic, was my Aunt Sally's sponsor. And she's like, Sharon... You never had more fun than an AA. Because let me tell you something. It takes a lot of nerve to be a drunk. 
And I'll tell you right now, those people are a riot. And it's so funny. And my father was, as I told you, hilarious. And he quit drinking when I was 15. And people, like, in his, in his, I did his eulogy at his funeral. And I said, look, before I was 15, my father used to do the night tour and go to a lot of, a lot of restaurants. Well, then when he quit, he would go have breakfast at about four different diners. And everybody loved him. He was everybody's favorite, the waitress's favorite. Aww. And he would do the breakfast tour. He just switched things up like he was in Europe. He had jet light or something. I think that's wonderful. Do you still live at, do, you, do you spend any time still in Syracuse? Tons. I am like, I never adjusted to moving. I, okay, so my father's one of 11. I like not, over 90 first cousins. My, Ooh, which, by yeah. the way, I hit them all up. Like my cousin Casey's an oral surgeon. I was like, hey, um, we're going to need, you know, like whatever I needed for props and that kind of thing. I might hit my family up. So my sisters, my three sisters up there, my two sisters are lawyers. My one sister's a nurse, and Josh has grandchildren. She takes care of them. My brother Billy's an artist. They all live there. So I have a house in Casanova that I used to, I bought it with a shoestring, mm-hmm. rented it out every year, September to June. And then the second school got out, we'd get in the car and go up there. Matter of fact, my kids would say, if there was a traffic jam, you know, because New Jersey's, like, packed. And they'd be like, Mom, can't you just, they thought this was a thing. They'd be like, can't you just pull Bill Fallon? Which meant you go on the side of the road and pass all the traffic. And if you get pulled over, you say, (laughs) I'm sorry my daughter has a stomachache. Oh. And And so they thought that was, like, a thing. But, you know, so so we're, like, like faithful people based on life. So, um, So, yeah, I've spent tons of time up there. I love it. That is a wonderful thing. When are you coming to town? You got to come to Minneapolis, St. Paul. You got to come in the studio. Well, you know what? I, you know, I was in the movie New in Town about. Oh yeah. You know, with with Renee Zellweger and Harry Connick Jr. So I had to do the Minneapolis. I was like, tapioca, don't you know? Okay. So, but we filmed it in Winnipeg. But we did the premiere was in Minneapolis, and I loved it. You got to come back. And, 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 I would love to come back. I love it there. A very good friend of mine, Barb Algar, she moved there and raised her kids there. And she's like, Siobhan, and she's from Albany, New York. And she's like, you would love it. You wear snow pants from October to March, sometimes April, and the people are so awesome. Barb McGonigal is her name, if she's, if she's tuning in. She now has tons of kids, and she's just the best person. And my son, I mean, not my son, my, my nephew, he was at the, um, oh, my God, what's the name of the fabulous clinic out there? Mayo. The, the Mayo Clinic. Yep. Yeah. So he was out there for a couple of years and loved it. Now, i got to ask you a question. Her husband's name wasn't Johnny, was it? Wait, you mean Barb's? Johnny McMonagall. McGonagall? Yeah. yeah. My God. No, it's not Johnny. Okay, good. It's not Johnny. Flipping my name, my mind. What is his first name? <laughs> Would it be funny if they're like, you know, she started. No, it's going to be like, you know, she started to slip. I don't know if you ever heard her on that. That show from Minneapolis, but she said my choo-choo train was going off the track, and she couldn't remember Barb's husband's name. <laughs> Michael. Michael just came to me. Okay, Michael, Michael. Good enough. That's good enough. All right. Yeah. We demand you come to town, young lady, so good luck. I'll, I will be going to see Please your movie. Put, yep, it'll be at the Regals and the AMCs out there. Thank you so much, and God bless. I really appreciate it. Oh, we appreciate having your time. Your terrific interview. Thank you, young lady. Thank you so, so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Wait a minute. Was that text you sent so important you missed your turn? So important you just ran a red light? 
Is that next text so important that you won't see the ball roll into the street and the child chasing it? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please remember that having your eyes off the road for as little as four seconds equals 100 yards. That's the length of an entire football field. And when your eyes are off the road that long, anything can happen. If you need to text, please pull off the road. Texting and driving isn't worth it. It's against the law and it may cause serious injury to you or others or even death. That's more important than anything you'll text. Please don't text and drive. I hope you're never hurt in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Working harder, going farther, with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Ladies and gentlemen, Siobhan Fallon Hogan. See, I, I'm sorry, but it's it's one of those situations where you get uh, like a Catholic or a nice Jew or a nice what? You lock in on the culture. I just love the culture part of it. She was just tremendous. She was unbelievable. <laughs> See, I think once you open the door for interviews and have them realize you're not going to go, Okay, so tell us more about your movie and what is it all about? Did you write the movie? Mm-hmm. Then it just opens up for all kinds of things. This yeah. was just tremendous. She, she was, Once you engage them and say, hey, I, first of all, you get your name right because Andy taught, you know, said it's pronounced Rowan. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she was terrific. And uh, as soon as she started talking, I said, oh, my God, is she Roman Catholic? There's <laughs> no doubt. Well, it's like a nice Jewish girl, you know. You know immediately. It just, I, just kept it. kept going. You didn't have to have to do too much. <laughs> I just no. sat here and listened to her talk. Oh God! I see. That's I love those interviews like that. All right, now for the second half of the show, I did think of you immediately because uh, they did a report last night just before I went to bed that uh, interest on a home loan now is at seven point two percent. That's rather high. Does that correct, though? That's, that sounds about right. He said it's in, 7.2. In, interest, um, interest on home loans is, is very high. Very high. Right, right now. Um, I think I saw a, st- a statistic that uh, mortgage applications have been going down, not, mm-hmm. not up. You can't afford it, yeah. Uh, new home sales have leveled off. Prices are still high, but also leveling off. Mm. And I've, I've seen, I'll say in my neighborhood, where not, not too long ago, houses would go on the market, 
and they'd be gone. Like the fir first week. Within within yep. a week. Yep. And now, That's right. now houses are on the on the market and they're there's the sales signs are still up two yeah. and three weeks two and three weeks later. Um, Andy, would you look up for me? I want to make sure that this is right. Uh, would you look up interest rates from like twenty seven months ago? home uh, home loan interest rates, because they showed one this morning. And if it's gone up that much in two years, it's a little frightening. Let's well, I, I, th I think the int interest rates over the last two years have probably gone from about, for a house, mm -hmm. have gone somewhere from about 3.5% to... Yeah, seven, you're about right. About seven. About seven. Uh -huh. So the cost of, of borrowing has gone up with the Federal Reserve raising short-term rates... Right. And um, in the last year and a half, the Federal Reserve has, has raised rates at a at, uh, faster and high, higher, no, not uh, at a faster pace and a higher percentage move up than ever before. All, then, in, the, all in an effort oh, yes, right. to tame inflation. Mm -hmm that they initially thought was, quote-unquote, transitory. Yep. Um, but now they say is embedded, and the Fed is still pushing the narrative higher for longer because inflation is not back at their 2% target. It's coming closer to, to that, but it is not yet at the 2% mm -hmm. target. Um, but... You know, interest rates on mortgages have gone gone up. The long bond index has actually gone up. The 10-year Treasury in the last week and a half has gone from 4% to 4.5% and a little bit uh, higher. Uh, you could say that the yield curve has gone from being significant, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> significantly inverted, meaning the short end of the curve, one-year or, or two-year rates and lower, the rates on that have been higher than the rates on the 10-year and 20-year and 30-year year bonds. But now the longer-term bond yields are now starting to come up. Indeed, the 30-year Treasury is now higher than the 10-year Treasury. The 10-year is higher than the five-year Treasury. Just the two-year Treasuries are, are still right around 5%. five percent. Um, so the yield curve has actually been helping the Federal Reserve mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, we'll say, slowing the economy. But federal, you know, we'll say Fed governors in the last week with just a few exceptions have been coming out, pounding the table. We've got to raise interest rates more. We've got to raise interest rates more. We don't see an end to this, this inflation. And I'm saying, oh, wait a minute. Um, let's take, take a look at a few things. Initially, you were talking about uh, the supply side. Um, you know, prices are going up on the supply side. And once that supply-side inflation is under control, we can start um, bringing interest rates down. 
but the supply side has been pretty much cured. Prices on the supply side, with the exception really of oil, have been have come way 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 way. I'm not going to say way way down, but they've come come down. So you don't have the supply side inflation. You do have uh, oil inflation right. because the price of oil. Uh, in the last uh, two months, has gone from seventy dollars a barrel to ninety-two dollars a barrel, and now a hundred. Yeah. And the the belief is it's going to get to a hundred, and I've seen some reports that it's going to get to a hundred and fifty. Oh, well, that, God. that I don't, I don't know. But once once a trend starts moving up, you have all kinds of people say, "Well, if you follow this trend, it'll keep going." Up and up and up. Right. Uh, but the price of oil has moved up uh, primarily on the back of OPEC and Russia saying we're going to cut supply. They wanted to see the price price go up. Because we gave them the business. Uh, we're... We're, we're going to try to avoid some political statements All right. here. All right. But yes, the when you stop... When you uh, discourage drilling, right, um, and that's one of one of the things that has happened with this mm-hmm. this current administration. Now, of course, there are going to be a lot of people who disagree and say, "Nope, drilling activity in the United States continues unabated. It's still it's still high and it could be going higher." And I can say, eh, I don't think so. Uh, just take a look at the number of drilling rigs yeah. in the United States. They haven't expanded. They have, they've gone down. Uh, Exxon, which, whose stock uh, just hit an all-time high uh, at $118 a share, uh, has cut the number of drilling rigs significantly in the Permian Basin, uh, and they are the biggest uh, driller in, in the Permian Basin. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, that they've cut the number of, of rigs that they they've had. Um, so the shale, we'll call it the frackers. Uh, so it's not just Exxon, but frackers across the country mm-hmm. have cut uh, cut the number of rigs that they've had, uh, and are saying, you know what? Given the state of um, the state of, of politics. You know, better for us to take advantage of the higher prices of, of oil mm-hmm. and return that capital or return those proceeds to, to our shareholders in the form of share buybacks and dividends. Is this, because I, I just I looked at a couple of things, you guys talk about three and a half. The best rate they found was 3.0, <laughs> two and a half years ago. 3.0, it's now at 72 we had to be, we saw this coming obviously you it just doesn't more than double in a two and a half year period without somebody seeing this coming correct so why did it happen why did they let this happen who 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 let this well, happen the people in charge i'll put it that way so it's not a political <laughs> thing the people in charge that's a good way to put it the people in charge just saw well you'd have to actually go go back why why is there there a little more inflation well, yeah, right. You have the people in in charge during, um, we'll say during 
COVID, mm -hmm. said, we've got to shut everything down. Right, right. We have to shut everything down because we don't, we want to stop the spread. And when you shut everything down and then now things start reopening, there's tremendous demand mm -hmm. for product um, and for services. And if everything, if factories had been closed down or right. slowed down right. because you had, we'll call it demand destruction, and now you have demand exceeding supply, what's going to happen to prices? They go, go up. Yeah. Then you have a reaction from the Federal Reserve. Oh, and that's not just our central bank, but central banks around the, the world. Oh, prices are starting to go up. That's inflationary. We've got to keep tap the, tap right. the brakes. And in order, oh, so we start raising interest rates a little bit. Things aren't happening. Things aren't happening fast enough. We have to keep raising interest rates. Nobody bothered to stop and say, wait a minute, it's going to take a while right, right. to see what actually is going to happen. And even the Fed now is saying, oh, geez, we better wait to see what the effects are of our policies. Mm -hmm. Instead of going slowly, nope, we've got to speed things up, which, which they did. And in turn, as shorter-term interest rates started moving up, uh, longer-term rates slowly went up, and in the mortgage market, uh, the banks were lending, mm -hmm. or uh, we'll say mortgage lenders, well, it's costing us more to get money, so we're going to charge more to people who want to borrow it. At the same time that's happening, we'll say in the last year, you've had some banks that have had some financial issues. Right, or, right. And, and that's primarily because of them holding on to treasuries. As interest rates go up, the value of bonds goes down. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether it's shorter term or, or longer term bonds. If interest rates keep moving up, the value of the bonds goes down until the bonds come, come due. So if the face value of a bond is $1,000, and let's say you get an interest rate at, at 4%, mm -hmm. and now <clears throat> the interest rates have gone up to 5%, if you want to cash that bond in before it comes due, you're going to have to take a discount because the new buyer wants to get the equivalent of a 5% right. yield. <clears throat> right. So that's, and if interest rates start f coming down, which is anticipated if the economy starts slowing down, then the Federal Reserve might say, oh, we're going to have to get the economy moving again, so we'll start dropping interest rates. Mm -hmm. Then the, those bond yields will come down and bond prices will go up. What are we going to do about this fact that and I haven't taken a look at this, I wanted to talk to you about it, that fewer and fewer people are even going to work anymore. Some of these people now at the UAW, I saw they wanted to work four days a week and be paid for five days a week. Um, all of these things are, I mean, 
there are a lot of people that just don't go into work anymore. How is that going to affect our economy? Because you're not going to lunch anymore. You're not going on. You're not driving your car, burning, you know, electricity or gas or whatever to get to work. You're not doing any of that. That's got to affect our economy in a massive way, I would think. Well, it, it, I wouldn't say a massive way, but it, it would slow things down. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of a lot of people who do want to work from home. They, oh, they but, do. They definitely want to work. <laughs> or maybe from they home. don't want to work from home, but there are a lot, a lot of a lot of people. Um, say, geez, why do I have to go go into the office when I have the computer sitting in front of me and I can communicate yeah. with my coworkers on um, on Zoom or um, or in any of the other uh, we'll say interactive uh, computer devices, right? Uh, so we can we can accomplish more at home, and we don't have to have to uh, be in the office. So that, and there are a lot of companies that I'm not going to say encourage that, but no, there no, there are companies yeah. say okay, you can work you can work from home. Now I don't think you're, I'm not going to say you're not as productive working at home, but you're missing out on. Uh, a lot of creative aspects that do come right. from being being in an office environment. Uh, so that overall could, we'll say, slow uh, slow down. Uh, we'll say certain types of innovation mm -hmm. uh, more more than more than not, or certain discoveries that you might get uh, from having more more people around. You know, it's interesting about my life, and I don't know what the hell I ever did or what the rest of it. Before I took this job, right? Which job? The Hubbard one. <clears throat> okay. Before I took the Hubbard job, I had worked for my house for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I went in a couple of times here and there, but almost every show I did was from my house starting 25 years ago. And now that the world has moved into that, mm -hmm. I'm doing the exact opposite. Now they're working from home, <laughs> and I'm going to the office every day. How the hell does that happen? Well, I've always gone into the office. Yeah, well, well yeah. But, I mean, uh, it's so weird that I, I live the exact life of, opposite well, life I, of to, most to, people. To me, you know, it, it, <clears throat> you know, for you, well, I'll say... To me, listening to you for a lot of years, mm -hmm. probably even when you started going into the, the studio, yeah. I'd say, man, that guy's <laughs> got to get up at 3 or 4 in the morning. 3.15, baby. Uh, to get into the studio, and that's, that's tough, and particularly, particularly in the winter. Oh, trying, to, trying to get into oh, the, yeah. in there, and they're during a snowstorm, and your entire role is to wake up the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah. Yep. And there are a lot of people, such as myself, we were depending on Tom Bernard to wake us up. Yeah. KQ in the morning. And so if you were doing it um, in a studio in your, in your house, you know, so be it. That, yeah, that's the way it was. Um, that was. That was fine. Not true, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say, you know. I'll say being in a studio around other people. Mm -hmm. 
I think you're a lot more creative. Well, you think because it literally took me at least three, four months to get used to it again. Because mm -hmm. people are sitting in this room all the time now. And I did for the podcast, that was always done from the house. So the guests would come there to do it. So I've been around other people during the family podcast. But the morning show was a whole different deal. And it just, I don't know, it just was a weird situation. I mean, I still didn't go into the studio. I came here. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of times, the, you know, the guests would come here instead of the studio and that kind of deal. But do you think, well, we're never going to get back well, to I'll, everybody. Well, put, put, put it this way. Yeah. Because uh, I've done radi <clears throat> radio uh, dating back to 1981. Mm -hmm. And when, um, <clears throat> and I love going into the studio to do my my money talk show, yeah. Uh, even though it was on the weekend, because I had somebody that I could at least bounce things off. I, you know, it'd be the producer in this case. I could, you know, be sitting across the glass like Andy is mm -hmm. currently from me, and I could mm -hmm. engage that producer as well as getting getting phone calls into the show. And it, to me, it made the show a lot better. Was that at Hubbard? That was at Hub. I that thought, was at Hubbard. I yeah. So, yeah, I thought that's where you worked. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. We have a phone call. A caller. Who's the caller? Caller is Joe. Joe, what's happening? Oh, not much. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing just talk, pretty good. Talking about trying to That's eke good. out a living. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to uh, clear up a misconception. Um, you stated that the UAW wanted to work through four days and get paid for five. And that's what they're saying. That's yeah. not how it works. That's not how we do it. We are going to work 40 hours and get paid 40 hours. Common misconception is that people are only going to work eight hours a day. Oh, we don't do that. okay, okay. When, when I first moved down here, we were working 11 and a half hour days, and then they dialed it back to 10 hours, a little over 10 hours. And it was only, and we were doing four days a week, working 10 plus hours a, a day. Mm -hmm. When they eliminated our third shift, that's when we went to the five, eight hour days. Oh, okay, all right. So we're not going to be working only 32 hours and getting paid 40. We're going to be doing the full 40 hours just in four days. See, that amazes me. we used to do. That amazed me, Joe, that the national news is not telling that part of the story. They're saying that you're going to work Nobody's four hours. telling that part of the story. That's amazing that they're lying about what you guys are doing. Yeah. 
Why would the news do that to you? Because they're dicks. Let me ask you this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Are you guys aware that some of the um, strikers from the plants in California had guns pulled on them? By who? Scabs. Oh, God. Wonderful. And um, another plant had five people hit by somebody trying to leave. They sped up and hit the people, sent two of them to the hospital. Did you guys hear that on the news? Nope. Yeah. Same thing happened with another plant. A couple of people got sent to the hospital because of the scabs. I just, that amazes me that they did not bother to report, you know, they're going to work four 10-hour days. They never mentioned that part, just that you're going to work four days instead of five. That's how they reported it. Yeah, we're trying to get back to the four-day schedule because a lot of people have shit they got to do during the week that they can't get done. Right. Because, you know, like, if, if if I were to have to go to, the hospital again to get my legs wrapped, I'd have to take a day off because I'd be working eight, normally I'd work eight to two thirty, and there's no way with rush hour traffic that I'd be able to get from the plant all the way across town in time to have an appointment. But if we're working four ten hour days, then we are going to have Friday off. Well, maybe Friday. Some people want Monday off. Some people want Friday off. Who the hell knows what's going on? But we're not going to be working only 32 hours. We're going to be doing the full 40 hours just in four days. I'm thinking the rest of society can't comprehend working past an eight-hour day. Yeah, I'm glad you called in about that, Joe. Thank you. But, uh, Josh, any questions for Joe about what's going on? No, other other than uh, the um, it, I, the UAW, I'll say the leadership wants to seems to want to extend this this strike for as long as possible. We want to we want to get back what we gave up in two thousand eight, right? To make the company to keep the company profitable. Our plant in Highland Park, which is where I'm originally from, was closed as part of that concession. Mm-hmm. That hydroelectric dam that's across, that's by the yeah. old Ford site. Right. We used to Ford used to own that. Ford used to sell electricity to St. Paul. Oh. They turned around and sold the the hydroelectric dam to a Canadian corporation to keep the company afloat. Mm. Everything <clears throat> we're asking for now is everything we gave up in 2008. We're not asking for anything spectacular, which is what the press is telling you we're not. We gave up our COLA, we gave up our pensions, we told them we would be okay with two tiers, and like Bill said a couple of weeks ago, it was a handshake deal. We were told that when the company's profitable again, you get all that stuff back. Well, that was 15 years ago. Oh, God. And the last two idiots that run the international and screwed us are now sitting in prison because of it. Whoa. I didn't know that. No. Well, my mind, I'm surprised. 
Mainstream media won't tell you that. No, they don't. They don't tell you a lot of stuff. It's amazing. All right, young man, yeah. we'll stay in touch on it, all right? Yeah, we just uh, also called two more plants out to strike. Oh, you did? I didn't know that. Where? Uh, Chicago Assembly and Lansing. Little Michigan. Yep. Yeah, that, that was just announced this morning. There's a yeah. third wave of strikes. Yep. So at current, I think it's now. They walked out. Yeah, I think it, it totals about 15% of the workforce. God, what a world. All right, thanks, Joe. We'll talk to you soon, pal, all right? Yep. Right, bye. Bye-bye. Joe calling in from Louisville, Kentucky. Worked Ford down there for a long time. Worked up here for Ford forever, and now I'm working down in down in Louisville, Kentucky for the Ford Motor Company. Andy, your generation, do you have any questions for Josh about, because obviously from generation to generation, things change, right? I mean, stocks have been basically trending the same way for quite a while. Moving I up. Say. So, yeah, I mean, right, right now, uh, just in terms terms of stocks, I've typically said to clients and uh, radio listeners uh, mm -hmm. that typically during the course of any year, stock market's going to have three to four, five to ten percent pullbacks during the course of any year. Uh, this year, we've had four, uh, five percent plus pullbacks, and we're. Uh, we'll say, kind of ending uh, a larger, larger pullback. Pullback being from the high in July to uh, to now. The, the um, S and P 500 is down about six percent from the high in July till now. Nasdaq is down a little over eight percent from from then until now. Uh, concerns have been as the uh, interest rates have moved up. People have said, "Oh my goodness, the economy is going to or slow down," and/or, "Jesus, be better to be in in treasuries as opposed to being in in stocks." Mm -hmm. We're concerned of what's going to happen uh, going forward. We're worried about corporate earnings and what guidance is going to be uh, for the next quarter and the quarter. Uh, will end uh, tonight. Uh, you've got a what I call a wall of worry, not only with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, you right. have the UAW strike and other, uh, there are going to be other strikes across the, the country. Um, uh, I'm not going to say the casino workers, but casino workers in Las Vegas have voted to go on strike if they don't get a contract uh, renewed. Um, so wages are going to go up, and wages are inflationary if they move mm -hmm. up. So that adds to worries about the Fed continuing to move interest rates up. You have the higher price of oil, and the I'll say the Russians and OPEC have been jumping up and down right. about that. Uh, it's very interesting, though, with the, the price of oil going up, oil... Uh, stocks, particularly E&P stocks, have not moved up, even though I've said uh, Exxon has hit an all-time high. Uh, but, you know, other, 
the other companies are still down from their highs uh, of of just a few years ago, or of, from last last year when the energy companies really uh, outperformed. Uh, that has not happened this year. The energy companies are not outperforming. They're actually uh, way down from their their highs. And then you have a another worry: what could happen this weekend? Should the yeah. uh, government shut down? And there we have a lot of lot of <laughs> a lot of stupidity uh, in in Washington. Uh, so those are some of the concerns and how that's going to impact earnings when earnings start coming out in a few few weeks. Uh, so we start another earnings season, uh, which will start with the banks. And I don't think the banks are going to be showing anything great, so they don't be worried about that. Banks have been forced to, uh, by government edict, to increase the amount of capital that they have so that they don't go out of business. Right. I am not a bank investor. You know, I've tended to, to stay away from, from banks and several other companies. I've tended to focus on companies that are involved in the Internet, companies that are leisure-oriented, China-related businesses, and real assets such as uh, real estate. Uh, so I've stayed, stayed away from banks. But I do think that companies that are involved in, we'll say, the Internet or in uh, leisure are going to tend tend to do do very very well going forward um, there is a of course a concern with one of the companies that i like which is amazon the ftc filed a antitrust suit against them uh this we have enough lawsuits going on right now well, and the, the politics yeah, the, and all the rest of it you know the the, the uh, department of justice filed a, a, a antitrust suit against uh, google God. because they have they have control. They might have a monopoly on on search, yeah. and on top of that, they're paying people. They're paying companies to <laughs> to use their their search services. Look what uh, they're paying Apple to be the dis default uh, search engine on Apple's products. Yep. And Apple said uh, they're the best, and we don't want to be in that that business. Uh, and as part of this trial, here came out that Bing. Microsoft's Bing, or Microsoft's trying to offload Bing to Apple. Please, 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 Apple, buy Bing from us. And Apple said, nope, not interested. Uh, so Microsoft still has Bing, or the Bing, Bing search engine, which is trying mm -hmm. to uh, expand using um, generative artificial intelligence. All right, Andy, any closing words? No, nope, that's it. I guess uh, we have, have we really talked about the changes to the show next week? Uh, the show will, instead of being 10.30 to 11.30 next week, it will move to, from, to uh, 11 to 12 because the morning show is going to move. We found out, did some research, did a lot of research, as a matter of fact, that people do not go to work at 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock in the morning anymore. Mm -hmm. They drive now from 8 to 11. Really? The rush hour now is basically from 8 to 10, definitely, and it's starting to move toward 11. Because people don't, I mean, there are still some people on, look, when I leave the house, I usually leave around 6.30 in the morning. I have no problem with traffic at all. So I was thinking 6.30, well, I mean, there's nobody, there are people on the road, but not in the numbers there normally are. But then I, I did some checking, and it's, 
Right now, it's leaning between 7.30 and 8 o'clock for start time mm -hmm. for the traffic to get bad. And they, they said, as we go, it's going to get later than that, as a matter of fact. So the morning show, is going, which was 7 to 10, is moving next Monday to, until 8 to 11. And then this show will be 11 to noon. So it'll still be the same time. It'll just be basically an hour later. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Anyway. All that's, right. very, that's all very interesting that everybody is moving a little a little later. Yep, they're it's moving. That, that could mean that we don't can keep daylight savings time. Yeah. Going year year round. Yeah, that's true. Isn't that what they're going to do anyway? I think. Well to me I I, I like I like daylight savings I time. I do too. I do too. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Okay.